I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. Nine cents. Nine cents is a satanic perspective of our modern world. It's not a Presbyterian perspective. You may have thought that's what you were tuning into. I know there's a lot of correlations with Satanism or Presbyterianism, but there's not in this case. So it's a satanic perspective of our modern world, not yours, not mine, not Aaron's. That's right, Aaron's with me. It's our collective modern world. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm uh, three sheets to the wind. Hello. Actually, it's like two and a quarter. Well, you're <laughs> almost finishing. there. Yeah, I am. Uh, so I, I work in the yard, and after I'm done, I like to uh, sit in the shade and uh, imbibe on one of my homebrews. And I've been doing that. <laughs> so, All right. Um, hopefully it'll be an okay show. Uh, no, I, I'm enjoying <laughs> right now Belgian white, which is delicious. Ooh. I didn't have any oranges because my daughter ate the last orange. Oh. you, woman. But... Uh, <laughs> It's still good anyway. Cool. I'm tripping on acid. (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted to outdo you. (laughs) I've got some stories of my uh, youthful misspent days. Maybe sometime we can get into it. Related to such. Uh, Okay, so uh, it's great to have you, of course. I'm your host, Adam Campbell, and it is July 12th. We have a fantastic show for you this week. We're going to start off with The Devil's Advocate, an article that I can't help but think sometimes I might have something to do with, called Lot Lice. Uh, so I'm going to bring it a little personal in this mm. one. And of course, Aaron's here. We're going to do a little hey. down to the crossroad. Ooh, I like that. Wrong. Crossroads. Episode 35, what are we calling this one? Red Hot. Red Hot, are we talking about you? Nope. <laughs> well, I just happened to watch a uh, fantastic film, Creature in the Creature Feature Sack. Oh, God damn it. Hey, uh, hey, are you all right? It's coming. It's coming. I'm on acid, too. Uh, in right. the Creature Feature segment, I'm going to be talking about a little movie called Maggie. And uh thoroughly enjoyed this one. I'm going to bring it to you. And hopefully you can thoroughly enjoy it, too. I, I heard uh, it was... Um, oh, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I said, I was going to say, I heard it was one of the year's most audacious discoveries. I don't know that, what that means. That <laughs> it's like the a... tagline from the poster. <laughs> <laughs> one of the, yeah. I love that when they, they just bloviate themselves. They don't even rely on other people to build yeah. them up. It's like, the most exciting film ever. Yeah. <laughs> it's about a maid. How's that exciting? <laughs> um, okay. So in this case, it might actually be somewhat accurate. Uh, as soon as I look up what audacious means. Um, okay, so we're going to start the show with a little correlation does not imply causation. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you all in on a little secret. Uh, and I'm sorry, Aaron, I'm excluding you from this little commentary. Just for a minute, if you will. Allow. Please, go ahead. Because <laughs> this really has everything to do with me and nothing to do with us. Um, <laughs> I have a feeling. I can't, and again, which is why I say correlation does not imply causation. 
But this has happened more than once. And so I'm inclined to think A has something to do with B. Um, I'm going to let you be the judge. So I've been approached by people who would like me to support or create for them. And for whatever reason, I said no. And then, shortly thereafter, they become incensed with my behaviors and my attitudes, and they end up ostracizing and blocking me. Now, I'm not one to care much, but I do think it's interesting that only after I refuse to help or support them, they suddenly become completely anti-Adam, which I have to admit, there are a lot of reasons why you shouldn't like why you shouldn't agree with me, why you shouldn't associate with me. I have a lot of flaws. I have a lot of faults. And I'm going to bring some of them up in The Devil's Advocate. However, the two A and B are so close together in almost every case, I can't help but think they have something to do with one another. But I must take a step back. <laughs> because as much as I would like to think that the world revolves around me, I have to accept as a realist, it does not. And not... A does not always have to do with B. I just think it's interesting. Just think it's interesting. Seems to happen a lot. Um, <laughs> does this have... And I'm going to bring you back in on this. Has this ever <laughs> happened to you, Aaron? Um, uh, not that I can think of. So no one's asked you for uh, something or some support that you have declined, and then suddenly they're totally just against you for some reason? No, I always say yes to everything. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, maybe I should always say yes. <laughs> anyway, I thought it was interesting. It's something that I've been thinking about for quite some time, uh, and uh, recent events have uh, brought it up to my attention. All right, so let's uh, talk a little about uh, libraries. Ooh. <laughs> because it's I like libraries. Actually, yeah, this has some... I didn't even think about this when I put this on the ticket here. But Girl. it's directly related to you. Um, since I was a young kid, I have always been infatuated with the idea of the library system. Uh, mm -hmm. Utah has a really wonderful one. Specifically, Salt Lake County has a really wonderful library system. And just the idea of a free resource to every citizen in order to learn literally anything now, you can say that, well, that's what the internet is, but the reality is, is not everyone has the internet. However, the library does have access to the internet, so literally the library is your gateway to any bit of information that you could possibly imagine. And I think this is just an invaluable resource for any, not only society, but for any individual human being. Um, I, I'm a huge supporter, and if there was ever a fun drive every single time, I would totally donate to it. Uh, I, this summer... I have uh, recently gotten into the pattern of having my book read, uh, my book, uh, having mm -hmm. my son read two books a week. And then at the end, he goes to the library, picks out new books, and does it all over again. And this does a couple of wonderful things. One, it obviously educates him, gets him out of the house, gets his head into the framework of learning outside of a school environment, which I think is incredibly important. Um, but also, it's, it's just a, a really fundamental uh, personal growth tool that I think everyone should really be. And the reality is, is we have internet at the house. He can literally find any book he really wants to. But it's the, the sort of ritual that I'm instilling in him that I went through as a child myself of 
traveling by yourself to the library, browsing bookshelves. And there's something really exciting about standing at the end of a row of bookshelves and just entering it. Have you ever experienced this? <laughs> oh my God. Every time I walk into a library and I work in a library, so that's just about every day of the week. I'm constantly amazed that the that libraries exist, you know, at all. They're a perfect place for me. And that's why, uh, you know, I love my job so much. It's no matter what kind of day I'm having, I still walk into a library every single working day of my life. It's like a dream. I, I, I wish I could force everyone to go. <laughs> just oh, that's such a valuable resource. Yeah, I mean... Obviously, okay, so just on the surface, obviously there's knowledge and information and entertainment and all that stuff. But you, if you like to people watch, there's no better place, mm -hmm. in my opinion, than the library. Yes. Like there, you will see the, uh, I, I would say, the best and worst of people in, mm -hmm. <laughs> in the library. It's so yeah. great. It is so great. Um, okay, so forcing my son to go do this initially, and now he's just sort of wanting to his own is a really exciting event as a parent to see him sort of take that turn of behavior mm. um but also the types of books that he's bringing back blow my mind so when <laughs> i went to the library as a young man i pulled out a lot of uh sort of uh, porn <laughs> oh, I was, no uh, it was really just fantasy books related type stuff um mm. i kind of dorky but that's really what i oh, got yeah. into and that's what i read a lot he brings back cells <laughs> like a book about cells oh, like a wow. biology book about i don't understand and then like another one he brought back was um uh the history of world war ii <laughs> oh. your kid is way cooler than you so cooler than i am <laughs> and then uh this most recent one he brought back was um oh gosh what was it it was it was about people who had brain injuries and how they dealt with them. My son is not even in high school. This is what he is choosing to get at the library and read. And I'm, I'm incredibly proud. At the same time, I'm a little like, where the fuck is the... Where's the fantasy? Where's the ex adventure? He's just all about like the reality and life and intellect and blah blah. blah. <laughs> should be totally excited and psyched. He should I'm a little be. disappointed. <laughs> I, I think I've created a monster that I'm not too into. <laughs> just not. I don't don't tell him that. I know. No, I, I love <laughs> whatever he wants to do. I'm, I'm totally gonna say. I just wish you would read a fantasy book. That's all. <laughs> I or I have sh bookshelves, literally bookshelves, full of like, <laughs> five Barker type shit. That's I probably why he's not interested. He's like, oh, that's dad's shit. Yeah. That's got to be bad. If that's what he's into, no thank you. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, anyway, I just want to kind of want to bring that up. So this last week, I released a satan Satanist on Satanic Cinema side note for the Rosemary's <laughs> Baby episode that Aaron and Dorian Gray sure. were both on. Um, I thought it was a really great little... Uh, it was sort of a running joke throughout the entire episode, which is why I thought it was great to put it all together and release it as a as sort of a side note packaging. Um, but I've had a lot of people like reaching out saying, if this is what it's about, no, thank you. 
And I oh, think that God. I understand what side note means. Because <laughs> that's not they really. They don't really what... think we talk about that shit for an hour and a half or two, yeah. almost two it hours. Was two hours, yeah. It was a full plus. Two, like, they think we talked, hours. like, I have enough, a, a lot to say about placentas and breast milk that I could fill a <laughs> two hour spot. Seriously. I, I, hope I don't know what think people that. think. I'm just saying. Um, so, rest assured, people, when I put these trailers together, they're just so supposed to be like inter interesting, entertaining, somehow wetting your your appetite for listening to more. It is not all that that episode is about. It's just like if you watch a movie trailer. That is not the entirety of the movie. That's just some some of the highlights. In some cases, all of the highlights. But some of the highlights of what you couldn't experience if you do a 10-set movie. Same thing with this. Uh, and, and you're actually going to be getting a trailer this week, which is going to be much more of an open uh, idea. So we're going to be hitting on uh, some of the characters. We're going to be hitting on some uh, ideas about pretension. Uh, um, uh, fuck, my mind is going blank here. <laughs> um, I don't know. It, it's gonna it's gonna run a much larger span of discussion than the last one did. Still hitting on some of the funny notes. Hitting a little bit on some of the more interesting ideas that are brought up. And hopefully that is gonna uh, break you into what this Rosemary's Baby episode is all about. Uh, I do have to say, this was one of the more enjoyable ones. Aaron was really, really... I'm going to talk about you guys if you're not here. She was I'll really, really wonderful later. with her commentary and rolling. This is why I love recording with Aaron. Um, Wood Zaptic is another one that's really, really great. They they roll with the punches. They they are great at improv. They're great with wit on their feet. Not everyone can do this, and this is actually not an easy thing to do, but they are fantastic at it. And so you're going to get a lot of that with Rosemary's Baby. It was really wonderful. Jordan Gray did a wonderful job as well. So look forward to that. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, next week I'm going to release another side note for an episode I just recorded of Carnival of Souls. And this was with Witch Zaftig and Magister David Harris. Um, oh, my God. Of course, if you know those two, you know that they are also really fast on their feet, really funny, really witty. This is a fantastic episode that you guys are going to truly, truly enjoy. This side note is going to have a lot to do with, um, oh, what was it? Oh, it was organs. <laughs> so if you've seen Carnival of Souls, it may make sense. But um, a, a, lot of, a lot of organ talk in this episode. So I, have I to cannot compile, wait. <laughs> I compiled I really some of the best of it. And uh, mm. we're, you're going to release that next week. And then the trailer the following week. Really, all I'm waiting on for these episodes to be fully released for you guys to pick up is the distribution. I mean, sometimes it takes a couple days. Sometimes it takes a couple weeks. So as soon as it's out in every avenue, and really the only ones I'm waiting for is iTunes, Amazon, MP3, Google Play. Once those <laughs> three uh, areas pick it up, then I'll release the trailer and you guys can go and, and check it out. But what I want you to understand, in the same way that how we record down at the crossroads, um, you need to be listening to the actual music or movie at the same time that you're listening to our commentary. It's it's super simple thing to set up. It's really, really important that you get the full breadth of it. And especially with a movie like Rosemary's Baby, there's a reason why this thing has stood the test of time and is still an amazing film. And... Uh, Having a, a couple really, or actually a few wonderful Satanists, if I can say so myself, uh, chatting and, and cracking wise is, is really entertaining. So check it out when it comes out next week. I uh, hope you enjoy it. All right. Is there anything else for you want to touch on? Oh, no, on? I'm good. Let's do a little lot lice. 
In nomine de nostris, Thomasus of Mary, In the name of Satan, the ruler of the earth, the king. Though I am an active member, I do not speak for the Church of Satan. All right, Lot Lice by Anton Xander LaVey. Into everyone's life appear individuals who just don't seem to want to go away. They surface in many forms, but have certain common denominators. They are epitomized by the guy who is 86 from the local bar for stirring up shit, falling through the plate glass door, and suing, welching on bar tabs, and carelessly almost setting the place on fire. A week after he is told his business is no longer welcome, he pops in and tries to catch a drink from his old buddy the bartender, just like nothing had happened. In the circus, they are referred to as lot lice. <laughs> Winos, who no matter how many times they are given the bums rush, keep coming back and hanging around. They drop their lit cigarette butts in the sawdust right next to the big top during a sellout performance. Actually, they're easy, they are easy enough to deal with, but it means a little cutting off of the milk of human kindness. Okay, so, so this is yep. originally published in the Black Flame, volume six, number three and four. Uh, I do recommend everyone, you know, you can read the entirety of this uh, essay on churchofsatan.com uh, under Anton LaVey's writing, so do yourself a favor and read it. A um, little bit of our commentary here. Have you ever found yourself in this situation or um, dealt with people like this? Yeah, I guess so. I used to work at a coffee shop and I had this girl who I caught several times selling drugs in the bathroom and I had kicked her out and she became like my nemesis, you know, like anytime I saw her coming and I had like a crew of homies too, you know, I was not, I was hanging out with some tough kids at that time. So if I was ever in trouble, I could, I knew I, I had 10 numbers in my pocket that I could call for backup. So she, I wasn't scared of her at all, even though she mo almost certainly could have kicked my ass. <laughs> But she was a stripper drug dealer and I, and we just and I kicked her out of that coffee shop so many times, but she just kept coming back. And she was, I guess what they call a friend of me nowadays, but she would try to be my buddy, you know, even though I kicked her out and told her not to come back and she was an awful person. I, you know, but she was still trying to. It was terrible. So I guess so. Yeah, it was kind of like that. She was an awful person. <laughs> it's interesting because this. This essay says, that, you know, just where you uh, left off, it means a little cutting off the milk of human kindness. The best way to deal with these people are just to be open and honest and just communicate, you need to get the fuck out of here. Fuck off. Fuck you. Right. I want nothing to do with you. Um, I think the majority of us, if they haven't experienced it themselves, they have seen others um, where they've had to deal with people like this on, in social media. It's always, I actually saw one last week. I'm not going to say oh. anything. But watching someone just like, fuck off and go home. <laughs> like, <laughs> leave me the fuck alone. It's always so exciting to me to see that. I think it's so funny because really what it means is I'm done. I don't want to talk to you about whatever we're talking about anymore. We are finished. And the other person just not understanding and right. just needing to come back. Well, you must not just understand what I'm trying to say. You must not understand my point. Let me try to clarify. And they're just like, fuck off. I don't care. Fuck <laughs> off. So I have um, probably more than I'd like to admit found myself on the other end of this. Where <laughs> in, like initially with my family when trying to explain Satanism. You just don't understand. It's not what you've been told it is. Okay, we don't want to hear it. Jesus will save you. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. like that. Um, and it's—I think it's really interesting to apply this concept 
in a non-direct uh, satanic way because uh, you, you can experience this with uh, customers or customer service. You can experience this in any manner of human interaction. And being able to admit when you are the uh, lot lice <laughs> is important because, one, it, it means if you can admit that, you have self-awareness, which is really, really important as a human being uh, to mm. be able to grow. Um, but also so that you can correct this behavior. So I've been called out a number of times for um, giving my opinion when after having given it, it was not appreciated or desired. Mm. Um, not all of the time I've been asked. Now, this is another satanic idea that pops up. Don't give your opinion unless people are mm -hmm. you know, literally asking for it. Right. Um, and like every human being, like every Satanist, we all you know, fall into this uh, pattern of, of uh, um, perpetuating known behaviors. Uh, sometimes it's good. More often than that, it's probably a bad thing. And mm -hmm. I have to uh, you know, take, take a step back often and say, look, um, and, and I, I often have this conversation with myself. What are the benefits of me saying anything mm -hmm. at all? Like, what, what's the best that can come out of this comment? Uh -huh. And I fight with myself saying, okay, if I say nothing, nothing happens. People just see it the way it is. And, and uh, everyone's going to be a uh, hunky-dory. Everything's going to be great. I'm like, but if I can just draw out the shit from this shit sandwich, then maybe, <laughs> maybe people can see that it's a shit sandwich that they're being fed. That maybe they can just understand what I'm looking at. And that's not a good thing. That's not ever a good thing. Because one, more often than not, no one's going to see what you're trying to make them see. You can literally hold up a sign that says everything you want to say, and they're not going to understand it. Because they're just not ready, or they're not in the right place, or they just don't see it the way you do. This is solipsism here. Expecting other people to be able to think or see or, or behave the way that you think is here. Um, and yeah, I fall into it like many other people. And social media is really rife with this type of behavior. Um, and the best way to deal with it is to be direct and just say, go home. Leave me alone. I don't want to deal with you. Here's one thing on the other side of that um, that I think is really important to bring up. We all don't think the same way, but that's a good thing. Someone saying something that you don't like, agree with, or accept is not a direct attack on you. It's important for you to understand that not everyone sees things the way you do. Because at one point, the, the uh, B is being solipsistic and thinking that you should see things their way, but then you're being solipsistic thinking that everyone should see things your way. It's, it's this really <laughs> stupid game that people play, this sort of cat and mouse back and forth. I think it's really important that we take a step back, realize that we are all madly aggressive individuals. And if you're a Satanist, chances are you're a pretty close to alpha individual, meaning you feel a certain way and you think everyone should understand, accept, or agree with you in some way. Um, it's important to have perspective. And that means that you have to hear dissenting arguments. You have to be able, you don't have to agree with them. You don't even have to accept, accept them, but it's important to hear them because it broadens your perspective of life. And if there's one thing that I can say that Satanism has informed uh, me of, and that is um, understanding that we are so different and that is okay. And that is 
and in, like a really good thing. That's what's great about Satanism, is that you don't have to accept or agree with anyone else. You can just be you. That's all that fucking matters. And you don't have to have everyone liking or agreeing or uh, somehow supporting you. And in fact, it can actually be really liberating having people work directly against you. I'm not saying you should strive for that. I'm just saying I think it's kind of exciting. Um, part of one of my mental deficiencies may actually be that I encourage it in some way. <laughs> I draw people into that role uh, because it, it does, I don't know, for some deficient deficiency inside my brain, uh, uh, <laughs> drive me. But uh, I don't know. So do you, do you experience, have you ever sort of had that awareness of, oh shit, I am the lot lice in this situation. <laughs> I honestly, I can't think of a time, but I'm pretty non-confrontational and maybe that's a, you know, a weakness of mine, but I generally tend to err on the side of like, oh, who gives a shit? Like nobody wants my opinion. So it's not going to do anyone any good. Um, so oftentimes I'm just like, oh, forget it. <laughs> I back down. Um, so I don't usually create, you know, I don't usually get involved with these sort of situations. And it's a, it's a tough thing. Like, I think, especially you're talking about social media, it's, I think it's probably so much worse for us than we can even imagine as a species. Yeah. I think Facebook is going to be the end of all of us. Like, we just know too much shit about people now. Like, I, you know, I have to know fucking every thought you have on every subject you can imagine. Like, that's ruinous for human relations you know um if i knew everything about all my friends like the friends i have in actual real life if i knew every fucking dumb thought they ever had i couldn't be friends with them but i'm already <laughs> friends with them so you know so i hear they're like eventually your dumb shit starts spilling out but it's too late because i already am friends with you but on social media you just meet these people that maybe you've never even met in real life and all of a sudden you know every fucking thought in their head it's it's really damning, but <laughs> I maybe took us on a tangent. No, no, I think that's great. Um, <laughs> what, what I really love about this essay, to bring it back to Lot Life specifically, uh -huh. is that, you know, Anton LaVey says that sometimes you just have to be aggressive and cut off kindness. Hmm. But you also have to understand whatever response you give is feeding them. Like, they want your response right. for whatever reason, and there's a lot of really valuable ones. And one that, you know, in poker terms, you may be showing them your hand by, by right. communicating continuing this. So it's always important, and this is a lesser magic lesson here. It's always important to keep your cards close to your vest and don't feed the lot lies. Don't give in to them because they will continue to come back and they will continue to bother you and try to get in under that tent flap. And you feeding them is your own damn fault. And so whatever happens from that is your fault. And you have to be able to take responsibility. It's really challenging when you find yourself on the other end of that, having that moment of like, ah, fuck. Uh -huh. But you know what? We're human beings and we live and we grow and we learn. So uh, keep that in mind. Read this article. It's really wonderful. It's on churchofsatan.com right now. It'll do yourself a favor. Mm -hmm. All right, let's do, um, yeah, let's do some down the crossroads. <laughs> Ever had a question about religion but couldn't find the answer? Are you interested or skeptical about cults, magic, or ritual? My name is Witch Zaftig. I'm a scholar of religion and a witch in the Church of Satan. Allow me to research your questions and answer them on my 9 cent segment, 
unorthodoxy with which safting. I can address anything from Scientology to aliens, Moonies to ritual magic, even the Eucharist, and of course, all things satanic. Send your questions to zaftigworks at gmail.com and tune in every month to Unorthodoxy with Witch Zaftig, only on 9centspodcast.com. Standing in the back door crying. Alright, there you will. Sure you won't stay out in this blackout? Sure is dark tonight. Thank you for the ride, sir. I think I'll be fine. See yourself. What are you doing out here? Oh, I'm headed down to the crossroads. <laughs> Wait, miss. You can't be. You're the, you're the devil. devil. But you're, you're beautiful. beautiful. Just sign here. Oh my God. Hey, everybody. It's your good pal, me. Um, welcome to Down to the Crossroads. Um, you can find me on um, Facebook at Down to the Crossroads and on Twitter at Chelsea Girl 19. So, Adam, you know how much I love a theme, right? Yes, I do. <laughs> well, this is pretty transparent theme, really. It's not very <laughs> deep, but it's been wicked hot in Baltimore lately. So I decided to base Down to the Crossroads around that, just the theme of hot. How's Utah, man? Is it hot there? Does it get hot oh in Utah? Gosh. It is desert, melting right? hot. It is uh, out, out of sorts. It's not normally this hot at this time, and it really is blistering. It sucks. Is it like a dry heat, though? or and That's bullshit. It's still really <laughs> hot. I don't care if it's wet or Oh, well, man. I'd rather be in 115 degree Phoenix weather than like 85 in Baltimore. <laughs> it's like wearing a wet wool blanket every time you walk out of the house. It's like just fucking murder me. <laughs> Anywho, so here's the theme. Red hot. Um, let's go ahead and hit play. So everybody knows where to find the Spotify playlist, right? Because if you don't listen to the songs, we're just going to sound like idiots. <laughs> Um, all right. So on Spotify, you know, I'll, we'll put links up on the websites and shit. So let's hit play on this bad boy, as they say. So this is Robert Johnson. I've played him 666 other times on down to the crossroads, but I heard this song recently and, and I realized that like, I mean, I realized this before. I hope no one thinks that I'm a total idiot, but I was like, this doesn't sound anything like Robert Johnson. No. You know, this is the one song that stands out because everything else is like Delta Blues, you know? Um, and here he is just going all ragtime on us. And I thought, wow, that's fuck. I, I, I can't believe I've never talked about this one song because it's such a one-off, you know? It's nothing at all like any of his other songs. And he's just like, what's really interesting is I think that he's, fully capable as you can hear in this song of playing like pretty dope ragtime music mm -hmm. but that's not what they wanted at the time like they wanted to record the like real authentic like Del mississippi delta blues where it's just uh you know straight like four four time and shit like that but this is i mean this is probably four four time anyway but this is totally <laughs> different <laughs> And he's just going crazy on the guitar, like just playing some ragtime guitar that we don't hear 
anywhere else in his uh um <laughs> but i mean you got to imagine that when he was playing like in the um juke joints and shit like that like the gigs he was playing he was playing a ton of ragtime i bet and they we just you know because he only had like a few recording sessions you know in his life and he died at 27 so um he probably if he lived my goodness think about all the different kinds of music he may have made but i guarantee he was playing songs like this in the juke joints and they just didn't get recorded the way all you know his other few songs did but I thought that was really interesting. And so I wanted to build a theme actually around this song. Uh, what do you think? I love, I love this guy. It's fun, song. right? I want to grab your hand and just start dancing. This is yeah. so good. It's it, fun. It, it forces you to move. I, yeah. I really like what you're saying there because it's the difference between needing to work to eat versus sharing what you're passionate about with other mm-hmm. people. And I think, with, especially in working musicians, they're, you know, in this day, they were playing what people would pay to listen to. And then mm-hmm. when they had an opportunity to record, they played what they wanted to play. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. I think you're absolutely right. There has to be a ton of work of his that he just played that we will never hear because it was never recorded because he recorded only what he was really, really passionate about mm-hmm. rather than or, what he was doing to you know, eat. Yeah, or what they thought would, would sell better on record. Yeah. You know, That's if the people... The, you know, the people that were going around recording this guy in a, you know, a hotel and wherever the hell it was, like, they want, they thought the public wanted to hear, like, Mississippi Delta Blues. And that doesn't sound like it's, it's not Mississippi Delta Blues. So he just, you know, if he lived 10 more years, maybe he would have, like, five ragtime records and maybe his music would have um, been you know, thought of completely differently. But, you know, he only recorded a, a few times, a handful of times. So that was all we had. That brings up a really interesting thought. What if he didn't even like the blues? Ooh, what if ragtime was his thing? And yeah. he just did the blues in order to pay the fucking bills. Oh, it, interesting, what right? If he missed his best work that we will Shit. never hear. Well, he's part of that like 27 club, you know, and you can you can extrapolate that out to like people like Janis Joplin and um, Kurt Cobain, like, what would, you know, and as a fan of Nirvana, admittedly, <laughs> unashamedly a fan of Nirvana, I can, can you imagine what kind of music he might have been making if he'd lived longer? You know, that's the, that's always the, the, the what if in, at, for us music fans is like, oh my God, imagine if Hendrix had gone on like 15 more years. Of course, there's always that yeah, potential Morrison, that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like, but there's always that potential that like they would have just disappointed you, <laughs> of course. So, um, I, I but it's know, more I, interesting I to, like to think about what. Though. I think that's yeah. the best part of musicians is them, whatever inspired them to become musicians, taking that inspiration and turning it into their own, you know, putting their own stamp yeah. on that type of music, and then putting Fuck those yeah. records out. But then, if if you stick long enough then you can hear them grow as the albums are released. Oh, yeah. and, you know, they sort of hit that three to five album mark and then they start doing their own thing and exploring yeah. sounds and explore. I mean, my favorite Dylan album is oh, my God, I'm so Blues glad. Take. Yeah, motherfucker. Like, it had nothing to do with his traditional <laughs> folks stuff. It was just how he would play the blues. He's a fucking... Yeah, I'm glad you said Dylan because that's exactly who I was thinking about when you were talking about that. He's a troubadour, you know. He's taking in, he's taking it all in, all the songs he grew up listening to, and he's he's translating them, and then he's fucking 
singing them back to us and we go, wait, that's, I know that song and it's all familiar, but he's doing it in this way. And he carried these songs like, you know, that good as I've been to you album where he does all those um, Americana and old blue songs. Like that's what that's, that was the moment that changed my life. That was one of the albums that totally changed my life where I was like, Oh, these like he's just carrying on a tradition for us. Like he's doing this for us, you know. <laughs> and I know I'm waxing really rhapsodic right now, but you know he was a troubadour and he was bringing, he was ushering us into the, all this fucking old music that would be dead without him. But anyway, let's play some more blues songs. <laughs> so I'm gonna hit play on this. This is called "Hot Time Blues" by William Harris, and it's funny because, like I said, I had created this theme around first of all the weather and then this you know um robert johnson song but it after i discovered after i found the three songs that i wanted to play i realized that they were all sort of these ragtime songs and it's really strange and then it was like doing as i was doing some research i found that like this term of red hot or hot time was really uh connected to ragtime music for whatever reason like um but i thought it was pretty crazy that these three songs that i picked to uh, for two other criteria, like all eventually fell into the same, like the found the third <laughs> criteria as well, these yeah. ragtime songs. But this guy is cool. And you don't, I can't tell you <laughs> almost, I know almost nothing about him. He was born in uh, Mississippi, but as you could hear, like this does not sound at all like Mississippi Delta blues. Like this isn't what was coming out of the Delta at the time that he was, you know, from the same period he was playing this, he's playing something that doesn't sound anything like Mississippi Delta blues. It's sort of, and it's, you know, it's really great. Cause if you listen, um, it speeds up a little, you know, like the song starts, it's, it's almost imperceptible, but it speeds up and it speeds up and it's just him. Like he's just, he's a really incredible guitar player and he just starts picking up steam. And by the end of the song, he's just really cooking, you know, but, yeah. um, this guy, I mean, I couldn't tell you, I can't tell you much about him. Like the song um, is not his. Frank Stokes and Papa Charlie Jackson both recorded this song under a different name called Take Me Back. Um, and he just changed the name to Hot Time Blues. And the, and the what's funny about the tune, like he took, <laughs> he took the tune from some, another blues, but Charlie Jordan's, this song called Keep It Clean. But he just sort of like, it's the same tune. It's just sped up like, times five you know <laughs> you did and in he gets like i said he gets more uh frenetic the the longer the song plays he just keeps going off but this guy you know he's interesting he played i do know that he did like um tour with some minstrel singers called the the rabbit foot minstrels and uh they they were like this tent at you know like this sort of circus act where they went around the country and there was just a bunch of People doing hokum blues, you know, that dirty, playful, like body comedy blues that I'm sure I've talked about on earlier episodes. Um, but, you know, that's where hokum came from was these blackface minstrel shows. And this guy almost, almost certainly played some minstrel shows. I'm really, really enjoying this. It's, this is bringing me back to one of my favorite events that I, I would host that I haven't done in literally years. I would do a fish fry. In my house in the summer, it gets brutally hot. And so anyone that comes over is going to be ready to, one, eat a lot of food, but also listen to some really, really good blues music and just sweat. <laughs> like you have to be able to just sweat. 
And it's this thing where my wife and I, you know, when there's a really good song, like this one, for example, that just encourages you to move, you're already sweaty, so it doesn't matter. And you got the smell of uh, beans and rice and fish, like, permeating the entire house, and you're just getting close and just moving and grooving to this really, really wonderful music. That just totally brought me back to that moment. It was really, really oh, wonderful. It sounds like you guys really know how to party. <laughs> it sounds if awesome. Only. It doesn't happen very often. <laughs> Love it, though. That's great. So what's next here? All right. So let's hit play and we'll get right into this. This is, um, it's billed under Tampa Red. It's called, <laughs> <laughs> it's called It's Red Hot. Um, but the singer you'll hear, you know, the guitar player is Tampa Red, but um, singing with him is this woman named Madeline Davis, also known as, um, uh, what is it? Madeline Red Hot Davis. <laughs> So there's again that like, and I had no idea that that was her nickname when I started this theme, but again, like this idea of red hot comes into this. And this again is ragtime feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, well, and also she's singing about rags. Like it's, it's called, it's red hot. And then it's sort of another name for it was red hot shakers rag. So she talked, you know, basically she's singing about the dudes in her band. She's just kind of like, now, you, you know, we're talking about a rag and she's talking about her red hot shakers who are, and behind her is, like I said, Tampa red is what it's billed as, but it's also this guy named um, Georgia, Tom Dorsey. And he, uh, he was this really, really cool guitar player who later gave up the blues and became like um, a preacher, you know, got really into gospel music. And he's actually one of the uh, forebearers of gospel music, which is, you know, kind of ironic and interesting. But um, this woman singing, I don't know very much about her either. She was, she only recorded once or maybe twice. And, there's not a lot to, to talk about with her, but Tampa Red is, I've played him before. I played him a couple of times. He was on the Halloween episode, I know for sure, but uh, he was known as the guitar wizard because he was really great at this um, bottleneck uh, ragtime music. I love me some bottleneck. Yeah, me slide. too. I think it's great. Mm-hmm. Oh, the only thing better than bottleneck guitar is um, pedal steel guitar. That's probably my hands down my favorite instrument, and it's anyway. That's totally a different subject, <laughs> but uh, I could talk about the pedal steel guitar for probably an hour and a half if you got me started. But let's not. So this is yeah, Tampa Red and the singer Madeline Davis, and there's someone in the background playing piano, and I don't know who it is. Um, it might have been George Tom Dorsey. Oh yeah, it totally was. Yeah, he was totally a piano player. Um, I'm actually and then a big fan of the sort of call and response type playing. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a lot of people, it drives them crazy when they hear a singer doing that. They're just like mm-hmm. calling out to the instruments and the instruments re- you know, respond back to them. And it's a little bit of improv and stuff. And I just have this big passion of being able to riff and improv in and of itself. But that I feel like that's what she's doing here. She's just sort of creating her own lyrics on the spot and maybe it is you know recorded but but this is you know one of the reasons why i love people like um um the worst person ever i can't remember billy holiday that's one of them Uh, (laughs) sure but um where where they just don't they refuse to play in the same way that they did before so recording with them is a nightmare because they just Mm -hmm. can't do the same thing twice james brown was like Mm -hmm. this where you just had to sort of feel it and he would just yeah. riff on the moment and in the emotion of it. And I think that's really, really important. 
mm-hmm. as a musician to be able to do because it's not just you practicing something until it's perfect. It's you pouring your emotions out. Mm-hmm. And you find this a lot in the blues. And that's why I think the blues is so wonderful because it's, it's passion. It's the moment. It's emotion. Mm-hmm. It's the spark that you would not ever have gotten in a studio outside. If it was a, a, a new, like new metal or, or any recent alternative recording where it's crazy, or Britney Spears, for example, just crazy <laughs> produced, over-synthesized bullshit. This is genuine talent, genuine emotion, delivered at a one-time, just one take, this is all I got, and this is how you're going to take it. There you go, preaching. <laughs> that was great, Aaron. Thank you Thanks. so much. I love it. And I am genuinely sweaty right now. So it's, all it's right, I, I worked. <laughs> Um, how can the uh, good folks listening uh, learn a little bit more about Aaron online? I'm always on Facebook at Down to the Crossroads, and I'm on Twitter at ChelseaGirl19. Do yourselves a favor, people. If you haven't already, follow her on social media. Aaron is a gem. I could not imagine. I, I couldn't imagine my life, but Nine Cents itself, without her. I think she's so fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. Aw, shucks. <laughs> oh, shit. All right, let's do a little creature feature. Let's do it. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the creature feature. Alright, so this is the movie Maggie, and we started at the beginning of the show. You hadn't seen this yet, um, except you did. I still haven't seen it (laughs) until now. You have yet to see it. Okay, so the synopsis is a teenage girl in the Midwest becomes infected by an outbreak of a disease that slowly turns the infected into a cannibalistic zombie. Isn't that redundant? Can't you just it say zombie? Like, I know, like, do other zombies that are, like, vegetarian? Like, no, I'm a strict <laughs> the vegan. Worst. <laughs> I know, could you, like, I thought zombies were bad, but wait, there's at, vegan zombies. They look at traditional zombies with that dirty zombie eye, like, how could you eat a person? Do you see how they treat themselves? They're not even free range. They're in cars and apartments all the time. <laughs> yeah, totally judgy and shitty. I hate the vegetarian zombies. No, this yeah. is a cannibalistic zombie. Uh, during her transformation, her loving father stays by her side. So on the surface, it's about a father helping his daughter through the process of her dying and then turning into a zombie. What makes this movie special is, um, well, there's actually a couple things. So the first thing is that it's not about zombies. It's about a daughter with a terminal illness and how a father copes with that and how the daughter copes with that. You get, a, you get the sense of um, the daughter's experience saying, I'm dying. How is this, how is this uh, reflected onto my parents? How are they forced to respond and deal with it? And then from the parent's side, knowing that your child is dying and they're going to turn into not not just die and go away but they're going to turn into something that is actually dangerous to your other family members and the public at large and how as a parent you have you're forced in reality to deal with that but how much it tears you up inside and it's an emotional journey that it it blows my mind so I am one of those uh, 80s children where I was, I was born in the 70s, but I really, my informative years were the 80s. Yeah. Action movies were sort of the thing. I, uh-huh. I was never a fan of the Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. 
Yeah, let's be perfectly clear. Like, when you're talking about the dad in this movie, you're talking about Arnie. You're talking about Mr. Schwarzenegger. So... (laughs) It's the Atuma. Yeah, that one. (laughs) Understand this. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger has never... What'd you say? (laughs) Arnold Schwarzenegger. Isn't that how you say it? (laughs) Ay, ay, ay. Negger. It's an E there. (laughs) Sorry, people. Lord have mercy. He has never uh, performed a role like this before. This is his very, very first emotional-based drama role. Is is he at all convincing? Holy fuck, yes, he is. I don't believe you. Not for one fucking minute. You have to watch. It is on Redbox. That's how I saw it. You have to pick it up. I don't even know what Redbox is. Is that Netflix? It's like thirty to rent a movie. (laughs) The Redbox is outside of gas stations. We don't have that within walking distance of me. (laughs) terrible you have to find a way to receive this movie i swear he is really really good he has it's hard for arnold schwarzenegger you have to be able to get past his accent if you can get past his accent i can't how (laughs) and how it relates to every other movie he's ever done if you can get past that this is an amazing movie okay so you know i've talked about the the core of the story and how the characters oh and and here's the other thing Uh, abigail breslin she's amazing you mean Little Miss Sunshine? Yeah. She's... I didn't like her in anything until this. <laughs> I especially hated her in Little Miss Sunshine where, when she was a child, just because I hate children. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a chubby stripper, baby. Ew. That was always awkward. But yeah, I mean, that's what that show is. I mean, that's... <laughs> they're like, no, that it's was okay. My, show that was my in. wrestling name. <laughs> <laughs> chubby stripper, baby, or whatever you said. Yeah, anyway. That was great. So you like um, this movie? Okay, she was great in it. Arnold mm-hmm. was, if he passed his accent, amazing in it. But the cinematography Wait. in this. Oh, okay, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No. I was just going to say, like, speaking of getting past his accent, like, hasn't he been a fucking American for 50 years? He really can't talk any better. <laughs> I have a friend who's um, from Italy, and he's been in America for 15 years, and I can understand every word he says. <laughs> like, he yeah. barely has an accent. Like, what's with Schwarzenegger why can't is that his thing well it's not working in a movie like this Arnie so why don't you try to get a a voice coach and like work on that shit tone (laughs) down that Austrian it's a little too heavy for us um I don't know I was thinking like watching the movie at the very beginning before I could get past it and just see him as the role of the character itself it it was it did pull me up because it was like dude come on Mm -hmm. British people speak in an American accent all the time Oh my Why God. can't you do this? Why can't you break free? But for some reason, that's just who and what he is. You, you just have to fucking do it. It's like asking Jack Nicholson not to speak, or, or yeah. uh, Christopher Walken not to speak, or, or Al Pacino not to speak like them. That's just how they are. Right. Um, so if you can get past that, truly, truly amazing. The cinematography in this film is stunning. I mean, it, it's so good. It actually pulls you out of the movie, which seems like it should be a bad thing, but it actually added to my entire experience of this movie. You, there's these standalone scenes, and one of them, for example, was Arnold um, looking down and just crying, like tears streaming out of his face. He's, he's defeated. His daughter is dying, and there's nothing he can do nothing that he can do to stop it or help it or change it or make it better in any possible way and he is just drowning in this one little moment and the camera is just hanging for like just over a second and it is so goddamn powerful the lighting the color 
the, the framing, the composition is beautiful. There's another where Abigail is obviously going through the process of turning and she is walking. And it's, it, the entire film mostly is set in this, like 95% of it, is set in this, this little farmhouse. Uh, the father is a farmer and the daughter, sort of this apocalyptic world anyway. But uh, the, the clouds, the sky, the farmhouse, the environment, everything is so dramatic in and of itself. But when you compose it with this girl who is dying, she is so young, she's never dealt with anyone else dying, but now she's in the moment where she's dying. But it's not that she's just going to die. She's going to die and try to kill those that she desperately loves, those who have supported her entire life, have encouraged her in everything that she wanted to do, and it is drowning everything. She's washing away in emotion and loss and longing, and she's just walking through this farm field, and the atmosphere and the environment is so goddamn beautiful. The <laughs> movie is, it ends, I don't know, you wouldn't expect it from a zombie movie, but it's kind of on the nose if you take the dramatic journey through the movie on how it ends. But as a father, <clears throat> totally amazing show. It made me think of my child and made me think of how I would react in that situation. Um, how the community reacts is really amazing too. And you know, they're sort of realists. Like your daughter is going to turn. You need to put her in containment. You need to get her mm -hmm. into the hospital and have her confined. And he is refusing. He just wants to be with her until the end, just to, to share what little life left she has. It is so amazing. And then, of course, the sci-fi geek in me, you get to watch a zombie flick from a dramatic angle that's never been done before. Mm, and that's okay. kind of an exciting thing, too. That does sound interesting. Anyway, it's, it's a wonderful show. Arnold Schwarzenegger, this is my favorite movie he has ever done. Whoa. I've never Whoa. seen anything that I've loved of his. This, I truly love. Are you seriously telling me this is better than The Terminator? Terminator 2, yes, yeah. Better than the first one? I didn't like it. Yeah. Better than the second one? Yes. Oh, okay. We'll see about that. <laughs> we Let me know. I, I hope you watch it sometime because I want to hear what you think about it. I'd love to riff with you about it. Yeah. It's a great, totally. great show. All right, so Maggie people, check it out. It is available now on Redbox or, I don't know, there's no such thing as a blockbuster anymore. But <laughs> but Pirate Bay. Yeah, I guess. Uh, whatever <laughs> means you have of getting movies, uh, get it. Um, all right, well, I think that's going to do it for the show. Did you yeah. want to hit anything else? We good? Nah, we covered it all. All right, well, folks, we hope you enjoyed it, and we would love to hear from you. Visit the website 9centspodcast.com and send your correspondence to info at 9centspodcast.com. Let us know if any suggestions, <laughs> critiques, uh, or general comments that you might have. Maybe my pronouncing uh, Schwarzenegger offended you. Let me know. <laughs> <laughs> you can visit the Satanet Facebook, Google Plus, Twitter, or MySpace page for 9 cents and get updated on weekly topics or uh, related releases like 9 cents presents Satanists and Satanic Cinema. Uh, download the show Mondays via the RSS feed found at 9 centspodcastcom We're also on Last.fm, Stitcher, and YouTube. Uh, if you subscribe to us in any of those ways, please give us a rating. Please give us a comment. We appreciate it. If you'd like to learn more about Satanism or the Church of Satan, churchofsatan.com, the Satanic Bible, and the Satanic Scriptures are your source. Only source. Do yourselves a favor. Check them out. And uh, remember that the only way we're going to continue doing this is via your interaction. We really appreciate it. Send us your questions. Send us your correspondence. We love hearing from you. Help spread the word. Once again, my name... <laughs> 
my name. Thank you for joining yep. me. And as always, my name is, and I am your host, <laughs> in the most awkward way of saying it, Adam Campbell, being joined by Aaron. And until next week, hail Satan! Hail Satan! Hail Satan! Hail Satan!